Welcome to Tomorrow's Supply Chain Podcast brought to you by QAD. Tune in alongside a global audience as industry leaders discuss best practices and critical issues impacting supply chains today and tomorrow. Today, we'll be discussing critical supply issues in the fresh food supply chain. My name is Laura Monroe, and as usual, I'm joined by Steve Dombrowski of QAD. Hi, Steve. How are you doing today? Hi, Laura. I'm doing very well. Thank you. And I'm very excited about our show today. I think our listeners are going to get some really good information out of our guest. And I think um, as what typically happens with conversations with our guests and me, they'll probably get some entertainment as well. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> I agree. I'm a little biased, but I agree with that too. Um, and I am pleased to introduce our guest today, Ed Harriman of Michigan Turkey. Ed, welcome and thanks for joining us. Can you introduce yourself to the audience? Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm pleased to be here. Um, uh, I am Ed Harriman, the IT and Purchasing Director for Michigan Turkey Producers, and I can give you a little uh, oversight of, uh, of what uh, Michigan Turkey does. We're a uh, turkey meat processor, as it kind of sounds like from the, uh, uh, from the name. Uh, we're an LLC that's owned by a co-op. The co-op is the, uh, the farmers that raise all of our birds, so we're a very vertically integrated company. Uh, we'll do about uh, 5 million birds a year. Um, we have two facilities, uh, one about three miles from where I'm sitting. Uh, that's the harvest facility where we do 20,000 birds a day uh, in eight hours. And uh, those are roughly 46, 47 pound birds because they're raised specifically for deboning. Um, the plant I'm sitting in uh, is a cook plant, which uh, is like the largest customer of the uh, harvest plant uh, where we bring most of the meat over here. And, uh, pr- uh, and make ready-to-eat products. Rather, There's commodity products that we sell out of the other plant as well uh, that are ready-to-cook products. So uh, some of those are commodities that go to uh, very familiar names to many of you uh, uh, out there that, uh, that shop in the, uh, in the protein section. And uh, but, uh, so we're much more connected now uh, with the more quasi-retail uh, customers than we were in the past. And some of that's due to the pandemic. We may get into that, I'm not sure. Well, thank you, Ed. Well, Steve, I know you and Ed can talk about supply chain for days. And unfortunately, we don't have that long today, but I'm gonna step back and turn it over to you and let you and Ed discuss a few things that I will make sure the two of you stay on track, okay? Because <laughs> rumor has it you guys need a remaster from time to time. So Steve, take it away. Thanks, Laura. You are 100% right. Um, we, we're kind of like those two old guys on the balcony from Sesame Street. Um, so I didn't say fact, old. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did. And I'll probably say that more than once or twice during this episode here. Uh, in fact, Ed and I both you know, work and live in the West Michigan area, and we once, uh, once ran into each other at a local superstore. And uh, I think our wives were able to knock off the holiday shopping for two years, never mind one. Um, I don't know if you remember that one, Ed. Yes, indeed. So it turned out it was kind of embarrassing because the uh, the store clerks kept coming up to us and saying, uh, sirs, you, you have to leave. We're, we're closing. But the interesting part about it is, is it was before the pandemic when the store was still 24 hours. So... Uh, <laughs> So that just gives everybody an example on what happens when Ed and I get together. So I promised a coworker of mine, Ed, that I would not do any cheesy references. So with that, we won't. And I said, I won't do any cheesy references because Ed works for a turkey company. So there you go. So I just, I just lost that bet. 
So why don't we talk turkey and everything else, fresh foods? Um, Ed, all kidding aside, you and I often talk about the fresh food supply chain and how complicated it is and complicated the components are. And there's a lot of issues and disruptions as you kind of you know, intimated to already in your introduction about things manufacturers like you are facing today. So what I'm seeing one issue that's really getting hit, you know, hitting you guys hard and that's material supply. Are you seeing the same thing? Yeah, indeed. Uh, it's been uh, a whole, whole different ball game. Let's say uh, if you go back to 2019 pre pandemic uh, and how we, how we negotiated uh, how we administered our uh, supplier relationships and what we have to do now to get to get to get the product out the back door uh, is uh, is, a, is a different ball game. And, uh, you know, you can tell I'm no youngster. I've been through uh, uh, recessions and things in the past and uh, and I was in supply chain for most of uh, the past 40 years or so. And uh, uh, this is different uh, <laughs> and, uh, and requires a, uh, a different approach in order to be successful. Now, some of the issues that you've been talking about, you know, everybody thinks, you know, with the supply chain, especially in your industry and any other fresh food industry, um, I mean, it kind of starts with packaging. What are you seeing happening on the packaging side? Yeah, so, you know, we're, we're just big enough that we deal directly with, uh, with some of the, the biggest integrators uh, uh, in, uh, in the United States. And, uh, you know, you're going to be familiar with them, of course, the International Papers and the uh, uh, Georgia Pacifics and the uh, uh, Packaging Corporations, people like that. Um, they've had a lot of disruptions and stuff in it, you know, and you think, well, how can that really be? I mean, you, you slow way down. They're making they're cutting their trees. They own the forest and everything being fully integrated, uh, have the paper mills all the way through their uh, their their packaging uh, box making plants and corrugating plants. Um, but they went through uh, quite a lot. Um, different states that they operate in had uh, a lot of different restrictions on uh, on what they could do during those pandemic times. And, and uh, some of them really couldn't even hardly get into their forest to, to harvest. So uh, we got into a situation there where, uh, where, where bulk paper was a problem. Um, I think a lot of them were probably focusing on the toilet paper shortage that was going on during the pandemic rather than making boxes because that's a part of their industry as well. And uh, a little different forest, a little different stream of pulp that comes out of that. But uh, Traditionally, I would take in the corrugate part of it, especially uh, every few years, three years roughly or so, I'd do a deep dive well before we get into our negotiations and really get down to where the uh, state of the business uh, was and uh, looking at not just the, the paper markets, uh, but any other disruptions that they may be uh, dealing with, any other transportation issues or anything else. So I'd be prepared going into negotiations of it. Um, that's something that uh, is now being done on a, on a like a monthly basis uh, to try to keep track of, of what their challenges are. Um, in flexible packaging, um, which is uh, most of what you see in the grocery store uh, uh, that you buy your uh, protein meats and stuff in, uh, the packaging stuff there, the vacuum seal type uh, packaging, uh, that's uh, polyresin uh, derivative. That's a petrochemical. So that follows the uh, uh, the oil markets. So that's something else that you have to keep a, a close watch on. And you know, the volatility that's went on there and, 
uh, and again, that's a that's a more worldwide uh, phenomenon than it is. Uh, although the corrugate does get uh, you know exported and uh, in some cases imported, not a lot, um, and so that's that's a world market as well. So uh, there's a lot more to that. One of the things I'll bring up on the corrugate, well, even on the poly side of it, is uh, the emergence of the home delivery uh, and the you know fantastic growth that they've had. Uh, during the pandemic specifically, uh, all these different uh, organics and places like that that are uh, are delivering ready to cook or, or already prepared, just ready to heat meals. That's taken an enormous amount of packaging uh, to accomplish that. And that was a demand that was not there uh, previous to 2019 in any real uh, volume. Um, that's put an, an increasing pressure on it. And because most of those people don't have you know, 20 year or more longer uh, relationships with these integrators, they've had to come in basically without contracts and just pay, you know, house account prices on it, which of course is very high, very attractive to my uh, uh, suppliers and, uh, and, and have put a, a burden on them to try to keep up with the boxes and stuff on that. Uh, so uh, the same thing with, with, with poly, uh, poly bags and stuff on it in that, in that same regards of, of uh, really being a disruptive, uh, not forecasted demand for them. And then therefore I have to compete with that to, uh, to try to satisfy our demand. You know, I was going to continue down, you know, up through the supply chain and I will, but, but you brought up something that I, I kind of want to take a step back. You mentioned poly and, and it's funny. I'm glad you said the word poly because when I first got into the meat industry and my first job at a, at a meat company, um, my first boss on the very first day started talking to me about film. We're running out of film. We're running out of film. And I'm like, what are we taking pictures of something? Or what is he talking about? Or we have cameras and, and, you know, the different industries have different names. So I'm glad you alluded to poly, but in that regard, you mentioned about the petrochemical and the oil, uh, you know, surrounding the, the, the film business. Have you seen that, especially because we've seen it at the gas pumps, have you seen it increase your costs and has that forced that you guys to do that um, to your customers and eventually the consumer? Yeah, it absolutely has. Uh, Another side, when I'll try to be quick about this, is uh, uh, during that pandemic, some of you may uh, have noticed that uh, uh, Texas had a a severe power outage uh, uh, that they had uh, during the, yeah, they had some ice storms there and everything on it and their grid couldn't quite keep up with that with uh, in the, even their wind power stuff went down because of the icing. Um, there's two plants that produce a additive that's put in uh, many of the bags that go into our, uh, our grocery uh, and, uh, and ready to eat products and stuff. And it's called EVOH technically is, is the additive. Um, those two plants produce like 90% of what America uses uh, to add to those, uh, to those resin, mixes and it uh, it gives you a lot longer shelf life and a better sealability and stuff on the films and bags. Um, both of those plants had horrible damage uh, when they browned out and eventually grayed out and then went completely out. Uh, they had to go through it. It took them weeks, several weeks, months to get back online. And there wasn't like there was a huge stockpile of EVOH uh, stateside or available uh, elsewhere in the world market of it. So we went on some pretty strict allocations that are still there to this day. And uh, 
you know, we're a small company compared to your, your Pillsbury's and a lot of these ones that, you know, use millions of bags a week and stuff on it. And uh, um, in many cases, they were down to 80% of what they were using in 2019 uh, that they could get and, and like up to 15% surcharges and stuff that were being uh, added to that. So there was a cost element in, in addition to the constraints that you had to work out to see what can I really run and what do I need to focus at from a, uh, from a scheduling standpoint. So yeah, it's, it wasn't just the, uh, the oil. There was other little subplots like this that played out that, uh, that really showed a, uh, a real vulnerability that we have in our, uh, our, supp- our, our energy grid in this country. And uh, I, I could give several more examples, but that's just one that uh, is still ongoing. Still haven't recovered from that. You know, you, as you talk and, and, with just typical of, of yours and my conversation, you bring up pieces and, and you, you bring me to other things. So I remember 10 years ago, uh, we were living in Illinois before we moved to Michigan. And I had to come here for a conference, uh, one of QAD's customer conferences or something. And we, the temperature, it was in March and it was like almost 90 degrees. I don't know if you remember that back in 2012. Um, and it actually jumpstarted the apple crop in Michigan. So the following year, the apple uh, supply was hor- horrible. And everybody thinks of an apple, you know, you just grab one and eat it. But eating an apple is very similar to eating an ear of corn. It's like the lowest end of what an apple is used for. And you mentioned those ingredients of the poly things that are used for other things. And so now, you know, there was a tug of war for those supplies. So that leads me to the question I was going to ask you before I did that is what are you seeing on the ingredient side? Because one thing you mentioned in your intro, which was, I, I'm hoping our listeners caught, is you used yourself as a customer for your own plant, the harvesting plant. So maybe you can, what about ingredients? I'm sure you're running into issues on that too. Yeah, we certainly are. And, uh, you know, uh, some of them are, are you know, still pandemic related. Uh, some of them are, there was already an emerging labor uh, a problem for a lot of industries, especially agribusiness uh, and, uh, and uh, any other manufacturing that's not quite as uh, uh, as high high reward. Let's just call it for the employees uh, uh, and in and, and, uh, payment and benefits and stuff on it had already started, and it was really only exacerbated by the uh, the pandemic. Um, so we were already seeing some difficulties that were pointing toward that. And, uh, and that certainly hasn't got any better. We've fought through those battles on our own uh, shop floors at both, uh, both buildings uh, as well. Uh, our ingredient people, it's, it's odd. Uh, as us boomers uh, you know, rec- retire and, 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 and move on, move out. Um, so much of the anecdotal uh, knowledge of the marketplaces and stuff that we had, I had a gray beard contact and I had pretty much all of my major suppliers that could really tell me what the health health of, of their industries and, uh, and what they were foreseeing in the future and stuff on it. And, and that was always a, you know, a, a major part of our supplier relations uh, that we did. And uh, what we did at the beginning of the pandemic was go through and, and do a review uh, and, uh, and record into our QAD, for example, the country of origin for each one of our items so many of them are blends that we really weren't aware of how many sub items that maybe don't even have to be declared. They're just a processing aid along the, you know, somebody's making us a Buffalo chicken or a Buffalo Turkey type of, uh, of uh, uh, marinade and they'll use uh, 
processing aids, again, that don't really carry on through, but are super important in how they make that, that ingredient. And uh, uh, they would be uh, from Germany. They would be from sometimes from China, uh, Japan, different places in the world. So we did that very early on before it even hit the, hit the, the United States. So it was in the early uh, 2020 that we did that. And uh, that's proved to be very uh, helpful to have that that knowledge of where all those origins are and stuff on it. So as you see uh, declarations of, uh, of spikes of the coronavirus or monkeypox or whatever's going on, now we immediately look at that and say, you know what, I think I better grab everything I can stateside here because this might be disruptive uh, for what's coming from Israel or wherever the, uh, the uh, disruptions are, are bound to be. But yeah, there there's all over the place. And then things you wouldn't even expect, uh, you know, some things that are so uh, synonymous with uh, with uh, plentifulness in the United States, like corn and uh, and wheat and some of the real basics like that. Um, you know, corn gets made into a lot of different products, not unlike uh, a barrel of crude oil. It can be made into a whole plethora of items. Uh, one of the things they make in large amounts is a dextrose, which is a corn sugar. And uh, that's a that's a frying aid and stuff that helps get the right net level of brownness and stuff on the skins of the turkey roast and stuff that we make. So uh, why would that be disrupted? As it turns out, I didn't have the gray beard anymore back at, at my supplier that could tell me what was going on. So I had to go back and really talk to people that would talk to me from uh, these these producers level and find out that it was just about strictly labor because. I follow the corn market because that's the biggest cost that we have. Uh, those turkeys got to eat, and they eat either cornmeal and or soybean oil meal. So I, I really follow those very religiously to try to see how our company is likely to be uh, for cost and, and profitability. So when I look at that and I don't see those type of, of uh, pressures and stressors uh, more than a year ago, which is the crop that's in the silos now that's being processed, I'm like, why are we having these type of shortages? And again, it falls back to the darn labor issue uh, where they just couldn't get people to come and work in those uh, in those mills that uh, not very glamorous work, hard work uh, in these uh, in these corn uh, crushers. And uh, so, yeah, so you, you get them coming from all over areas and, uh, you know, you, you need to be curious and you need to, be, you know, to, to go out there and spend some time digging uh, for these answers, because there's not always uh, somebody that's just going to go ahead and explain to you what their categories is facing for disruptions and, and challenges. You know, you mentioned the gray beard. Um, one last question I have for you, and I think my dog in the background is, is interested as well, is, you know, in the old days, we used to have these contracts set up with our suppliers, you know, the old good old boy network. But in today's world, I think you run into that doesn't exist anymore. So how is my last question for you today? It is kind of how has your relationship with your suppliers changed? Because you you know, you can't really do business via a handshake anymore. Yeah, yeah, I can remember the the good old days, and some of that was the bad old days too, maybe. But uh, yeah, like you're saying, the the uh, the negotiations now, like I say, I'm I'm doing more of these uh, deep dives into most all of the categories of uh, ingredients and packaging, you know, that we purchase and stuff on it to try to at least be as knowledgeable as my uh, counterpart is uh, before I go into negotiations of it. But even the customer service folks and stuff on them, a lot of those, them are uh, fairly new to the industry and, uh, and maybe lacking that ability to, uh, to realize that, you know, we need uh, 
input. Uh, we need to have that feedback from them and, uh, and, and know how to do our planning so that we don't wind up uh, making some bad assumptions or whatever on it. So it's a lot more uh, uh, dependent upon these suppliers of it. And, you know, I got suppliers that, uh, you know, we have this little unofficial thing we do a uh, supplier report card uh, that were A and A plus uh, suppliers for many, many years. Uh, didn't even give a second thought about when you placed an order and got a promise date and a price that it was going to be there before or on that date. Uh, and I know many of the people that may see this are, are tier suppliers and stuff on it that are, are dealing with just in time and stuff. Well, we don't really do that so much in the food industry for a number of reasons, but uh, the, uh, the inability of any more to meet those, uh, uh, those somewhat open dates that really aren't, you know, specific as I have to have that this day uh, to make this product is a lot of times turning into that just in time because of the lateness of the, uh, of the deliveries and stuff. And, Again, it can be transportation and a lot of other issues that are affecting it. And you know, like I say, you could fill another podcast with that, I'm sure. Well, speaking of which, and, you know, you did a great lead-in in the straight man imitation there because we're, we're probably, I can see Laura in the background. She's probably getting ready to, to That's pull not her, true. Uh, That's <laughs> not true. I'm actually, this is a very interesting – see, even your dog chimed in. Even your dog's enjoying this. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, anytime we get Ed and Steve together, I know I just step back and listen <laughs> because you guys. But you brought up about five different topics that we can definitely, we'd love to have you back. I'm going to turn it over to Laura, but as usual, you know, going into this, that, you know, not just for the fresh foods, but it, it, it's all spilling over into every industry today. So you've uh, you brought up some good points. So Laura, I'm going to throw it back over to you yeah, before like the dog said, chimes in. This is not going to be the last we see of Ed. Um, and this was a great, great podcast. And we're excited to bring you back on because I know there's a lot more topics we can cover. Uh, so thank you both. Um, and thank you to all of our listeners for joining us today and tuning in to tomorrow's Supply Chain Podcast brought to you by QAD. We are excited to bring you more episodes. So be sure to check back. You can watch our live stream here on QAD LinkedIn pages or tune into our podcast episodes on Spotify Apple Music, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, or Pandora. And with that, on behalf of myself, Steve, Ed, and all of QAD, we will see you next time. Thanks, Ed. Thanks, Laura. Thank you.